0: Enjoy. Aren't baptisms cool? I mean, let's just be honest with you. It's really cool. Every time uh, I, I see someone get baptized, I, uh, I, just, I just think about just kind of the sacredness of the moment, you know, and uh, I just think about the, you know, the different stories and every story is unique. Uh, but it's just this sacred experience that we get to have as we just see uh, life change in front of us and God's work in front of us and that we get to be a part of that and a story being rewritten. So it's just, it's just cool stuff. Every baptism is just, I don't know, it's just such sacred stuff. It's why we do what we do. Uh, to a large degree, and so the fact that we get to experience that, man, I I just, that just doesn't get old to me, Uh, and I hope it never gets old to you as well. Now, before I get going, I actually have a special announcement that uh, I'm excited to share with you. Uh, Before COVID hit, some of you don't know this, but we actually had two physical locations. We had this location here in Greenfield, and uh, we had an Oak Creek campus. And the Oak Creek campus was averaging about 350 people uh, every weekend. Now, let me just kind of put that in perspective for you. That is larger than 90% of the churches in the country. And uh, the Oak Creek campus, the the staff and the team there was just doing really, really great stuff. I mean, we were connecting with a bunch of young families. Uh, People were making decisions to follow Jesus, get baptized, we were serving our community. I mean, just really, really great stuff happening. But when COVID hit, it impacted not only this campus, but it also impacted uh, the Oak Creek campus to the point where we had to decide uh, if we could lead well enough through that whole thing by having two campuses open. And so uh, we, we wrestled with a choice, and the choice was, do we, do we keep it going or do we temporarily close it and just consolidate everybody for a season? Well, uh, our board and leadership team and the Oak Creek staff got together for a season of prayer, and unanimously, uh, we sensed that God was leading us to close the campus at least uh, for, for a season. And the main reason for that was because we didn't feel like we as a church were set up long-term to do what we felt like we were called to do. And that was to launch more campuses and more churches because research shows that actually new campuses and new churches connect with a higher percentage of unchurched people than existing ones do. And so our vision was never just Oak Creek, it was beyond Oak Creek. And so we shut it down for a season, and during that season, we've been just really working our tails off, getting ready to set ourselves up long-term to launch more campuses and churches. And so we've reorganized our our whole staff. We've actually been working really hard on our leadership development system and so we can have more leaders that that are being developed. And as a part of that, we needed to sell the Oak Creek building so that we could become more financially flexible so we could actually plant more than just the Oak Creek campus, we could plant more campuses beyond uh, Oak Creek. Now, to move forward with everything, we needed a big thing to happen. And that was we needed that Oak Creek building to uh, to sell, which was honestly no small task in in this environment and we needed it to sell for a certain price. Well, I'm happy to tell you, as of last week, the Oak Creek building has sold and closed and for a price that we were not expecting, way beyond what we were expecting. And here's the the cool part of it, because this is the real God story of it. Uh, we actually sold it to one of our Network City Churches. Uh, we actually, the pastor and I got together and uh, he said, hey, I'm looking for this. I said, hey, I think we have this. And uh, so we just kind of brokered this whole process together. It's been a couple month process. And so a world outreach center will actually be moving into um, the, our old Oak Creek campus building uh, in a month. And it's just such a cool story that we'll share with you uh, over the next couple of weeks and months as we continue to partner with them. Perfect church for, for that setting and for our community. And so it's just a really neat thing as we've seen God move. Now, here's what this means. We are now ready to launch, not the Ridge Oak Creek Campus, the Ridge Franklin Oak Creek Campus. And uh, Pastor Forrest is, I know that's great news, Pastor Forrest is, um, Pastor Forrest is going to be the campus pastor, don't let that deter you, okay? Uh, no, uh, oh, you got one fan, that's great. Uh, <laughs> pastor Forrest is going to be the campus pastor, so here's, here's my ask of you. If you live in that area or you know people that live in that area, whether they're church people or not church people, if you're watching online and you live in that area, my ask of you is I want you to be a part of the launch team uh, that helps launch this campus. And the launch team is actually the the team that lays the foundation for what will be the future growth of that campus, and it's a really cool uh, process to be a part of, and uh, we are praying that at least 100 people would be a part of that launch team, and so if you're interested in learning more, here's what I want you to do. I want you to text the word launch to this number, and uh, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get a form back. And then you fill out the form and it's not committing you to anything, okay? What's going to happen is you fill out that form and then uh, Forrest is going to follow up with you and just talk to you about uh, what does that mean to be a part of a team like this? What's next? Um, Some things that we're going to do in the future and all that good stuff doesn't commit you to anything. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And I I tell you, this season, these last 20, 24 months uh, have been some of the most intense, challenging, but yet some of the most fruitful uh, I've ever been a part of. And uh, just to see the work that God is doing and now getting us back to this point again in a much healthier spot, more ready spot, uh, is gonna be really cool as we go uh, into that community. And, and I think it's, it's gonna be great to watch people discover the hope of Jesus again. And then we're gonna be seeing baptisms done simultaneously there as they're happening here. And so it's gonna be really cool as uh, we relaunch the campus. Now, Super Bowl is here. And uh, here's what I want to do. I want to just kind of get a feel for who you're rooting for. All right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put up one of the teams. And then if you are rooting for one of, that, one of those teams, I want you to, you know, whether clap or hoot or holler or whatever you do, whistle or whatever, whatever it might be online, I want you to put that in, in the chat as far as that's concerned. So how many of you are rooting for the Bengals? How many are rooting for the Bengals? Wow, I'm a little stunned. I'm a little stunned. AFC team. Okay. Uh, how many of you are rooting for the Rams? How many of you, it's none of the above? How many of you, it's none of the above? All right, none of the above. Hey, here's some fun facts uh, about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl Sunday is the second biggest eating day of the year. There will actually be 8 million pounds of guacamole consumed on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be a part of that whole thing as well. That's right. I'm adding to that. Uh, Of the top 10 most watched TV shows of all time, nine of them are Super Bowls. And then here's my, here's my favorite fact. My team, the Steelers, have won six Super Bowls. Your team, the Packers, have only won four Super Bowls. So that's my favorite one uh, out of all of them. Now today what I wanna do is I wanna just raise an important question. You see, the Super Bowl is the most important and the biggest game of the year, but the question I wanna raise is this. What do you think is most important to God? What do you think is, is the biggest deal to him What is his Super Bowl, so to speak? And the way that we're going to get there is we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus had that most people believe that he shouldn't have had. And so here's the background. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover when he stops in the city of Jericho, and he stops for reasons that people believed he should not be stopping for. Now, before I get there, I, I want you to keep in mind something. Christians believe that Jesus is God's son meaning that, that Jesus is God in human form. And so that means if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what God says, listen to Jesus. If you want to know what matters to God, watch Jesus. You know, what's God like? I thought, you know, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, I bet you you've kind of wondered that before if he exists, what's he like and all that stuff. Well, here's the thing. Jesus is the filter for how we see God. And so I want you to always keep that in mind if you read the Gospels, which are the biographies of Jesus. And I especially want you to keep that in mind as we look at this encounter that Jesus has here in the book of Luke. And so here's how Luke records it. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, Jericho was a very significant location. During the time of Jesus, it was actually like the winter haven for the cultural elites. It'd be like a similar like going to the Hamptons or Martha's Vineyards, and this is where that people would go to to get away from Jerusalem, just with all the busyness and the stress and all that stuff. And so there's all this buzz in the city. The Passover, which is the biggest event of the year, was close. The elites are there. Jesus is now there. And when Jesus would enter a city now, he was just at this place where it was like a rock star entrance because people had heard about the healings and they knew about the teachings. And so he is famous. And so there's all this buzz, but this buzz is about to die very quickly because of what Jesus is about to do. It says, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. And so so Luke lets us know that Zacchaeus has a lot of money and he made that money being a tax collector. Now, Herod, he had built all these huge buildings and the way that he was able to build them is he just put heavy taxation on people so much that he was bankrupting people. And so, so the Jews at that time, they hated the heavy taxation. And so for them, it was forbidden to be a tax collector because they saw a tax collector as the ultimate traitor to them. And then Luke tells us that he's not just a tax collector, he's a chief tax collector. It's kind of like the equivalent of a district manager. He's got all these tax collectors beneath him. And so as you think about Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus is at the top of a system that's extracting wealth from his very own people. And so he is hated by his people. And then it says, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over crowd, And so we're not told why, but for some reason, Zacchaeus is interested in Jesus. And maybe it's because all the Jesus hype that was going on during that time, maybe because all these TikTok videos were made of Jesus, you know, and so he was attracting a following. I think maybe it was because Zacchaeus knew that Jesus had a tax collector as one of his disciples. And so he's thinking, man, who does that? And he says, so he ran ahead. Now this is interesting because distinguished men back then, they never ran and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. So not only did distinguished men not run, they definitely didn't climb trees. I mean, that was something kids do. I was thinking about this. I was thinking if I just ran out in our backyard and I started climbing a tree, I can only imagine what my kids would think of me if I did that. And so here's what we see. Zacchaeus is actively seeking after Jesus. And then it said when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, And so there's thousands of people here. And of all the people, Jesus looked up and he locked eyes with Zacchaeus, the one who everybody hates. And here's what he says. He says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. And so Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house to eat. And when he says that, the crowd was like, what did he just say? He he didn't just say what I think he did. Because what Jesus said, this violated everything that they thought was sacred and holy about the religion of their day. And so thinking about that, it's not surprising at how the crowd responds. responds and it's respond this way. All the people saw this and they began to mutter. And I love that when Luke uses the word mutter a lot. And so it's kind of like, he has gone to be a guest of a sinner. And so they're kind of muttering and here's what we see. This is where we see a clear break between the priorities of Jesus and the expectations that people have on Jesus. And so the expectations of the people were, well, why doesn't he spend time with us? Why does this religious, holy leader spend time with people who are not religious and who are not holy. And so they expected Jesus to do one thing. And as he would often do, he did the exact opposite. And so as a result, they begin to grumble. They begin to criticize. Uh, A canceled Jesus movement starts because of all this. But then look at what Zacchaeus says as a result of this. He says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Now it's hard for us to just grasp the, the sheer scandalous nature of what Jesus does here. And so the way I wanna to try to do that is I wanna to try to tell you a modern day story of this. There's a guy named Mike who's a notorious hedge fund manager, who's immoral in all his dealings, in fact, so much so that many of the things that he did helped trigger the economic class collapse in 2008. So while many people were lo- losing their livelihood, Mike was making hundreds of millions of dollars off of them. And there were rumors about Mike, that Mike was abusing drugs, he was abusing money, that he was sexually abusing young girls at nightclubs. And Mike lived in River Hills. And here's the thing about Mike, everybody knew who Mike was and they know what he did and they know what he continued to do and he was hated for it. But here's the interesting thing about Mike. Mike grew up going to church. But at some point, he decided to walk away from his faith. Well, the Pope just happened to be visiting Milwaukee. And for whatever reason, something stirs inside of Mike's faith, childhood faith, where he decides he wants to see the Pope. And so on the day that the Pope is going to be there, Mike decides to put on a hoodie because he doesn't want anybody else to to, to recognize who he is. And so he goes where the Pope is going to be. And as he gets there, there's this huge crowd. But Mike is only five foot five, and so he can't see over the crowd, so here's what Mike decides to do. Mike decides to climb up a light pole just so he can see the Pope. Well, the Pope ends up going by where where Mike is with his entourage, and the Pope locks eyes with Mike, and as he locks eyes with Mike, he stops, and he looks at Mike, and he says, Mike, God told me to come and have dinner with you today. Now, can you imagine the crowd's reaction to that? Well, later that night, the Pope actually goes to have dinner with Mike, and he meets the girls, and they have sushi, and we're not sure what is said during that conversation, but Mike comes out of that dinner, and his life is completely changed. He actually starts up a nonprofit that that helps families in poverty, and he gives 50% of his wealth to start up that nonprofit. Not only that, he decides to go public with a very sincere and detailed apology, and he goes to every single person he's cheated, And he doesn't just pay him back what he stole from them. He pays them back four times what he stole for them. And then that next Sunday, he goes to church and he decides to join a small group. Now, can you think about that story? Can you imagine what people would be thinking about that? But then here's God who is much bigger than the Pope. He's walking on this planet and he's around thousands of people and what does he do? He looks at the least deserving person, the least likely person, and he goes up to that person and he offers them salvation. And this is exactly what happens to Zacchaeus. He gets saved. And Jesus even publicly acknowledges this. He, he says this. He says, today, salvation has come to this house. Salvation, in other words, healing, restoration to God, has come to this house. He's pointing to Zacchaeus because this man too is a son Of Abraham. And when Jesus used Abraham, it was this idea that Abraham is the one who embodies the qualities of what the kingdom of God should be like. And he's going, hey, that's now Zacchaeus. And then Jesus closes and he closes with the punchline. And it's in this punchline we get our answer to the question, what matters most to God? And he says this, for the Son of Man, which is a title he used for himself, for the Son of Man came. In other words, here's why I'm here. And I'm not here for the healings, I'm not here for the teachings, even though that is all part of why I'm here. For the Son of Man came to seek, literally to search for. And Jesus goes, hey, I'm not here to wait for people to search for me, I'm actually searching for them. To seek and to save, there's that word again, salvation, to heal and restore. The loss, who's a loss? Anyone who has walked away, fell away, who've never been. Anyone who just wonders where they are with God anyone who is disconnected relationally with God, even stories like Zacchaeus. And then Jesus turns around, drops the mic, and he walks away. Because what he just said is what he just did in Zacchaeus's life. And all this started with Zacchaeus searching for Jesus only to learn that Jesus was searching for him the entire time. So, what's most important to God? What's his Super Bowl, so to speak? Jesus makes it very clear what's most important to God. The lost being found. You see, according to Jesus, that God is on a a search mission for anyone who is lost. And when I say lost, I just mean anyone who is disconnected relationally from God in in, in any way. And we see from Jesus that God's full attention and focus is on any single person who is lost. Which, you know what, this should make complete sense to us. Because when we lose something, our full focus is on what is lost at the expense of what is found. A couple weeks ago, I lost uh, my key fob to my car and I was running late for, for a meeting. And so uh, I ran over to this cupboard area, which has kind of become my cupboard area. And you know, I'm looking through the cupboard, no key fob. I have this like junk basket and I don't know how it got there, but it's become my junk basket. So I'm scrambling through the junk basket, nothing. I go upstairs and I'm going through all these drawers, nothing. Now here's what I didn't do. Here, here's what I didn't do. I didn't take out Donna's keys and go, well, you know, at least, well, at least I have Donna's keys here. No, 100% of my focus was on finding my lost key fob. And you know, here's the thing. This is the same way God sees things, that from his perspective, his full focus and attention is on any single person that is lost. Now, here's what this means for us both individually and, uh, and us as a church. That, that the people, the local church that mobilizes itself around what Jesus said, that I came to, to search for and save the lost, this is the church and this is the individual that reflects the very heart of God. And from my experience, this is also the church and this is also the individual that sees God move because we are moving with him. But the person or the church that loses sight of this or forgets about this becomes a group of people that gather for searching, but they don't do any searching. It'd be kind of like this. It'd be kind of like if I just took a group of you and and we went to the gym to work out. And we went in the locker room and we got dressed up in our workout clothes. I mean, it was, I mean, the nicest workout clothes, okay? I mean, just the top-notch workout clothes, top-notch shoes. And so we're all looking really good. And then we go and sit on workout equipment and we all sit there. And some of us, we put heavy weights because we're gonna do free weights. We're not gonna do the machine stuff, okay? No, no, we're gonna work out with the free stuff. And so we're putting, you know, weight after weight after weight. And so we do all this and we're sitting on our workout equipment but none of us works out and what's so challenging about this is that what is most important to god if we're honest with ourselves is not really that all that important to us and here's how i know that do you know why people leave churches all around the country including our church do you know why people leave churches well, people leave churches for reasons like, well, you know, we didn't do this and we should have done that or uh, the music was too loud or we don't play enough music or we shouldn't play any music. Uh, they leave churches because we didn't take a, s- a certain stance and it's always their stance, you know, for some reason and that should be our stance. Uh, they-, they leave because we don't do communion enough. They leave because the, the-, the teaching is not deep enough, which, you know, <laughs> I mean, no, you would- they would never leave for that. Um, but not once, not once, has anyone ever left our church? Because they've said, we aren't searching hard enough for those who are, who are lost. Not once. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I actually had a guy come up to me. he been t- attending our church for years. And he said, hey man, he goes, I'm gonna leave the Ridge. And I said, well, why is that? He said, because your church, this church is too concerned with people that are far from God. And I just kind of looked at him and I said, man, according to Jesus, that's the point. listen, Our church does a lot of good things. I mean, we do a lot of good things in here. We do a lot of good things digitally. We do a lot of great things out in in the community. But listen, if all of that that we do, all of that is meant to point us to what matters to God the most. And if we don't focus on what matters to God the most, then we miss out on what matters to God the most. And if we do that, then nothing we do matters. So let me ask you this question. Have you joined God in his search? Have you joined God in his search? The same God who patiently and lovingly searched for you and probably used someone else to help in that search. Or do you not even give it a thought? Or is this, well, everyone will just kind of be found on their own. So Jesus said, he said, I came, I came to search for and seek those who are lost. So will you join me in my search? Now, here, here's what I want to do. I want to I leave you with this. I want to challenge you to do just that and to join God in his search. And I really just want you to do that just by doing two things for me and hopefully two things for God as far as that's concerned. And here's the first thing I want to challenge you to do. Would you begin with prayer? You know, one of the things that's been really kind of heavy on my heart in, in 2022 is just for some reason, I've, I've never felt this before, okay? So when I say this, I'm not, you know, just trying to speak out of line or leverage the God card. But for, for some reason, I've just felt this urgency to pray more. And I, I almost feel like God is saying, I'm not gonna move if people don't pray. And when we talk about something like this, listen, we need God to move. I can't change a heart and you can't change a heart. Only God can change a heart. And so we really do need to pray. You know, for some of you, here's how prayer looks like for you in this whole thing. For some of you, as we talk about this, you're just going like, yeah, I hope, I can't wait for the series next week. Or this is not important to you. This doesn't matter to you. Here's what prayer looks like for you. You need to have some honest, confessional prayer before God. And that may look like this. Hey God, this doesn't matter to me. And I know it's most important to you, but it's not most important to me. I just want to be real honest with you. I need you to change my heart. I need you to give me your heart that you have for people because right now, I don't have it. And listen, if you pray that, God will answer that prayer every single time. You know, for others of you, you need to start praying that you will begin to have the courage to step into this because you find every excuse not to, and here's the thing, none of the excuses are good. And for others of you, actually for all of us, we need to pray daily that God would begin to move in the lives of our ones, Which leads me to the second thing that I want you to do. I want you to invest in your one. Now, who's your one? Your one is any person outside of our family who you would say is far from God, who Jesus would say is lost. Now, why do I say outside your family? That should be a given. Who is someone outside of your family that's far from God? I want you to invest in them, which means this. You intentionally spend time searching with them so that they have the possibility of being found. Now, here's what you need to know. This isn't about people or projects. This is about people matter to us because they matter to God. So investing means you intentionally develop deep, authentic friendships with people. Now, the reality is, is that most of us, we don't know how to do this very well. I I remember first, I didn't know how to do this very well. And so we've actually uh, just recently created some digital resources to help equip and train you to do Uh, just that. And so here's actually a resource link. I want every single person to go on this resource link, theridgecc.com forward slash year one. We've actually just created some some short videos that you can use individually as a family in your groups. I hope every group goes through this. And this will just equip you as you take this next step to invest in year one and join God in his searching. I uh, recently came across this ad. It was a really cool ad. It was an ad for Special Ops, which is one of the elite uh, forces in the US Army. And here, here's what the ad said The ad said this It said, Special Ops takes on the most challenging mission, so it requires extra training. And, and then it said this But those who succeed will experience a level of success few will ever know. And this I think I love it because this is similar to what Jesus is calling us to do and to experience the type of success that I think we all want because we love people. It needs the training and equipping to do so. So would you go on that link and begin to just get equipped to go on this great journey called searching with God. A few months ago, I was uh, upstairs in in my room and I was talking on the phone with, with my parents. And as I'm talking on the phone with my parents, my wife, Donna, she yells to me, get down here and get down here quickly. And I'm like, she never does that, you know, and we weren't fighting. So she definitely wasn't yelling. And so I, I run downstairs and uh, I was not prepared to see what, what, what I saw when I came downstairs. I came downstairs and one of my twin boys was on his side by the dinner table because they were getting ready to eat, just motionless. And so I ran over and uh, I, I picked him up and I thought that he might be choking on food. And so, um, and so I was getting ready to do the Heimlich on him, but then I looked at him and, and his eyes were closed, didn't know if he was breathing or not. And so I say, I, I tell Don, I go, go get the neighbor because he's in the medical field. And then we call 911. And uh, thankfully within a few minutes, there were two fire trucks and an ambulance uh, at, at our house. And as they, as they had him in a bed and they were beginning to just work on him, um, during, during that time, I'll be honest, I looked calm on the outside, uh, but on the inside, uh, my heart was just absolutely breaking at the thought of, 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 of losing one of my sons. Now, here's what I wasn't doing during that time. I wasn't thinking this. I was thinking, man, we got twins, and so if we lose him, we got a replica over here, you know? So everything's gonna be fine. You know, everybody should have twins. You know, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't thinking that, wasn't thinking that at all. My complete focus was on my unconscious son. Now, thankfully, they they were able to get him too after about five very long minutes, but words can't describe as a dad just the sheer joy I felt when he came to. Here's what Jesus said that happens in heaven every time any lost person is found. Jesus said, here's what happens. I tell you, that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, during that time that I I, I thought I I had lost my son, the whole time I'm thinking, God, I will do anything. I mean, you take my life, do whatever you need to do. I would do anything to bring him back. And as I stepped away from that situation, I remember just thinking, God, I bet you that's a small glimpse of what you feel as you think about any person that is lost. And so it makes sense that when they're found, that Jesus said that heaven throws a loud, rowdy party because of it. And so... When you think about that filter that Jesus gives us, it's why Jesus went all special ops searching for Zacchaeus, who, by the way, when you read his story, he actually becomes a prominent leader in the early church. It's why Jesus was accused of hanging out with all the wrong people, and it's why Jesus calls us to join him to invest in our ones. Because when we do, and when they get found, there is a loud, amazing party in heaven and they are the guests of honor because of it. Listen, at least in our church, I don't want us to be a silent church because God removes his hand from us because he's out searching and we're not. And the reason why I don't want that is because no one throws a better party. I'm sure there's more than 8 million pounds of guacamole there. No one throws a better party than heaven does. Let me pray for us. Father, um, you know, when we, we think about following Jesus, nobody really thinks about this whole part. Or if we do, we just have so much bad experiences with it. Uh, but Father, this, this is something that you modeled that when we live the type of life that you called us to live and that when our heart is moving in your direction, I mean, this is just a natural outflow. We become the type of people that just love and care and serve people in a way that's attractive to them. And so, Father, I would pray that, that your heart, which we see very clearly, that your heart would just be so engrafted in this place, that we would just be so drawn to the people that you have in our life that are, are looking and searching, and we're helping the search because we are looking and searching, and we're looking and searching for them. So, Father, may that be us. Uh, My prayer has been that uh, we would get to a place where we would see one baptism a day for a year because people are being found. And I pray that that would happen. And Father, uh, I do also just want to pray for the future Franklin Oak Creek Campus and the great community of people that are going to go there because they're sent by you and they're going there because they're searching And there's gonna be some great things that happen there because of it. Lives are gonna change because of the steps that they take to be a part of that. And what an honor it is, God, to do just that. So we ask and plead that you move, move us first. And then God, as you do that, may we just see you do great work in people's lives around us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Churches podcast. If you live in southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.